Hello, fitness friends. Long time no speak, right? Where has I been? You've been asking yourself. Well, look, I'm back. <laughs> and um, <clears throat> I must confess that my day job had taken over my fun job. And uh, that was wrong. So um, my fun job, I re-established uh, firmly back in its priority place. And Get Fit's Row, end of a podcast, is uh, back soldiering on. It's just been a few weeks of uh, discombobulated activities of another kind with the danger. Um, <clears throat> right, where are we? Uh, well, actually, where I am at the moment, and I may have mentioned this to you before, but I'm uh, wandering around um, my evening walk around a reservoir in... Uh, North Yorkshire, <clears throat> place called Swinsty, I think, um, and I'm wandering around with my dog. But look, uh, if you haven't listened to a podcast called Never Strays Far, then I recommend you listening to it, because you might get just a slight whiff of my slightly unprofessional, yet very exact approach to podcast, i.e. meaning that if you listen to uh, Never Stray Far, which is a podcast between Ned Boulding and David Miller, um, the topic is cycling, but they don't half stray far from the subjects of cycling. <clears throat> and I thought for the purposes of this podcast, um, I would try and stray as closely to the theme of rowing and getting fit as I possibly could. Because, hey, that's what it's all about, right? Um, what have I been up to? Uh, the first thing to probably address, <clears throat> to bring to your attention. What have I been up to for the last three weeks from a Get Fits Row perspective? And um, I have a confession. The confession being that I have actually been <clears throat> training on it. Yes, yes, my friends. I have been training my absolute um my, my little legs off i've been training them as hard as i can uh, legs and body and arms obviously because that's the rowing thing legs body arms um i've been training my absolute gluteus maximus off um which your ass right um yeah i think i've been training nearly every day and i reckon every day i've probably done a 60 or a 90 minute session <clears throat> and it's been wrapped around a little bit of combination of cv body weights and uh, some general free weight training yes and yes yes my friends i've been doing that at um my local gym lake reet um but let's just have a think right where are we so anyway yes i've been busy uh, yes, I'm still cracking on and getting fit. Actually, I have to say that the the numbers, uh, the let's say the 500 meter splits on the Erg row, the rowing machine, the Concept Two spectacular machine, <clears throat> um, with the PM5, by the way, if you were wondering. Um, I uh, yeah, the numbers are looking delightful. <laughs> which in my book being 51 uh they are 
really, really quite positive if I remember myself rowing in my, say, mid-30s, doing the same kind of numbers, um, which is pretty good. And if you're wondering what the numbers look like, I am happily doing uh, UT2, UT1 kind of heart rate stuff at around about 155 splits, which I reckon's all right. Um, very positive, in fact. Um, but look, this podcast, whilst I wander around slowly as I can uh, around Swinsty, is the first thing that I've got to talk about a little bit. And I look, I know nothing about the the politics of Olympic rowing. I know nothing about the um, politics of uh, British rowing. But I'm going to look at it from a mere observer's point of view. And obviously it's going through my my babble fish of understanding what it's all about. <clears throat> but let's go this way. But the, um, the, let's say the British rowing, and remember, like in every sport, right, there's going to be periods of brilliance. And then there's going to be periods of decline and then there's going to be periods of rebuilding. You know, it's got to be a thing. But British rowing for the last five Olympiads, I think, have absolutely smashed out of the park when it comes to um, Olympic golds, particularly for the men and Olympic golds and silvers for the women's squad. Right. It's been absolutely smashed out of the park. But this Olympics, my friend, my friends, maybe there's more than one of you listening. This Olympics been a bit of a bit of a kind of a hmm, what word should I use? Depends on which paper you read, right? It's been a really real uh, retraction. Is that the right? Good word. Retraction. Oops, this way. Oops, this way. That's the dog, by the way. Just walking the dog. It's been a real severe retraction. Retraction. Contraction in um, results. Uh, across the GB squad. In, in fact, um, am I right in thinking we haven't got any goals? I think I am. Um, there's been a smittering of bronzes. The men's eight, right? James Cracknell said about the men's eight. The, uh, the heavyweight men's eight with the mighty Mo Sahibian, who is just an absolute Olympiad in the making. Um, who seems to be running his rowing career strangely and being, ah, God, I look at Mosahibi and kind of go, oh, mate, if you were Redgrave, you just go on, go on your loan, you know, um, and get the golds, get the golds on your own. But obviously, what what the men's eight right claims to be, and I think this is the words of Mr. Jim's Krakenil, is... Um, that was the strongest men's eight in the history of the GB boat, and they got bronze. And they say they were sort of nearing a silver. They weren't going to get gold because the mighty All Blacks, the New Zealand boys, um, <clears throat> man, I don't know what they put in the water in New Zealand, but when it comes to it, when it comes to turning on the 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 length after blasters 
because they don't you know they, it's really evident when you look at the kiwi boat in the last two or 250 meters the last like you know 20 odd strokes is um they just lengthen out man but how, how do they get taller and longer and bigger i don't know it's really really magic especially mr bond so he's been brilliantly successful for the new zealand crew in uh on the stroke side in the pair with his buddy um who's now i think or was doing a lot of cycling i don't know whether he was thinking about doing the tour de france but um, I should really do some more research so that I know the answer to everything. But um, he was in the two-seat, right, of um, of the New Zealand eight. And if you look at his technique, because obviously he just knows how to get the extra length, doesn't he? But And he was like lying down. <laughs> it was like you know, he was getting all the length <clears throat> on his uh, finish that he possibly could. He really was extending out that... Um, that body rock to get the length in on the back end. And the interesting thing is you'd probably say, well, maybe he would be the best guy to be in the stroke seat. But I think the reason why I go and put him in the two, in the two seat rather than the stroke seat is because when it comes to it, he knows how to win races. He knows how to win races. So you stick him down the back and he'll basically sort out the back of the boat and make sure the back of the boat is operating as well as the front of the boat. Brilliant. Having two stroke men two stroke men in a boat uh, stroke women in a boat it's brilliant is um you know i think i think the, the logic in my head having been involved in numerous very very good crews and coached very good crews is if you can find uh, the the stroke man right but then you find someone else who's better than the stroke man and laying down a stroke you put them in a two seat and the stroke seat because then you've got the You've got that bow pair absolutely smashing it out in terms of the bow pair are electrically on top of the stroke rate. <clears throat> Almost, they always, uh, this like this thing that basically, um, if you are, um, if you're sitting in the bow seat, right, or the two seat at the back of an eight, is that you, you what you see and what you do can be, like micro milli 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 milliseconds difference right but keep in mind that the difference in dropping that blade into the water at 38 41 strokes a minute in an olympic final and knowing that your blades are going in exactly the same time uh they're dropping in exactly the same time is done because your man in the two seat is really the stroke man in the boat. Yes. Has no one ever told you that? It's a secret. It's like you stroke the boat from the two seat. <laughs> uh, I've done that a couple of times. Uh, Richmond Regatta comes to mind. Where we had a, I was in a AK at Oriel Kenston 8. And uh, <clears throat> let's just say, and we're not going to be, uh, we're not going to be semantic about this, but basically, our novice eight by the time it got to qualifiers was faster than the club first eight. i think there were four eights and maybe i know if you're listening to this you go no you're wrong but actually i think these masters the masterful skills of mr baldwin tim baldwin who was coaching us and uh, andy dobson who was coxing us and all of the ridiculously early morning sessions that we did um 
and we were faster than any other in the, in the squad. But on that particular occasion, we didn't get, we weren't allowed, there wasn't the numbers or the entry put in for us because I think we'd made so much progress in such a late point in the season uh, towards Henley days is that we couldn't actually put an entry in. For us, I think that's the reason. It was a long time ago and it's all passed. But look, in that particular boat, I remember that there was a guy called, I think it's called Ben Harfager, and he'd been um, down at Leander. <clears throat> he came in to R8 and he basically bumped me out of the stroke seat, which was brilliant because I love the two seat. And um, he, um, yeah, he strokes the eight and that was brilliant. And, obviously, and me and I think it was uh, Greg Collins, we were sitting in the bow pit <clears throat> and literally we believed that we were actually stroking the boat. We were, we were sitting the boat up and we were ahead of everyone else. And as long as we were ahead of everyone else, everyone else would catch up with us. Kind of thing. That was the thinking. Um, but anyway, uh, <laughs> sorry, little segue there of personal rambling. But um, let's just say the GB men's squad, right, that had the mighty Mo Sahibi in, um, who is literally probably one of the greatest rowing athletes, I think, hasn't yet become the athlete that he deservedly should be for an Olympic uh, Standpoint, um, yeah, he didn't win the gold, didn't get silver, got bronze. And there was a moment when you saw Mohis Hebe uh, jump out of the boat and sit on the side, and uh, you could see he was a uh, oh god, he was like, Man, this is just all wrong, you know, it's all wrong. Um, so, um, the other, the other crews of note that I kind of watched, um. Helen Glover had a <clears throat> a farewell row in the Olympics in a in a pair was it or double I can't remember sorry I, I watched the I watched the final but didn't concentrate on what crew sale was so I think it was a pair I think it maybe it was double but um, but anyway um they did really well they just didn't have the uh, I'd say they just didn't have the middle section of the race the middle thousand they didn't have the uh the engine and the engine to push ahead in the middle thousand i think they definitely had the, the kind of the continuity and the boat speed for that last thousand but they they couldn't get ahead in the uh so anyway make sure she came forth and that was her farewell row um, good honor good less um <clears throat> and um where are we? Let's say the only other thing of note, which you kind of go, you know, when when high performance is is the thing, and then you see a performance that is so brutally not high performance, you kind of go, you know, something's fundamentally changed, gone wrong, isn't happening. System change, people change, uh, and it was basically the heavyweight, the um, the boat that for the the last four years, four Olympiads, has had Red Grave in and Pinson in and Tricks and all sorts of other guys have been in uh, the, have won many, many goals in the Coxmas Four. Um, in the last 500, completely blew up on the stroke side, I think. 
Um, and um, went into the Italian's lane. I mean, I have never, yeah, you, you should never expect to see that, really, in uh, anything over this area. Got to have a novice standard, unless there's a machinery breakdown. You know, getting a boat to go straight um, is something determined by the crew selection and you know, as long as you're all doing the same thing, you all know what you're doing, you're all performing at the same level, at the same point, <clears throat> then um should never have happened. Did the bow side pull the stroke side round in that last 500? I don't know. We, you know, it's not clear. It's not come out in the news. And it probably won't be um, newsworthy when it actually becomes news. Um, but they... Um, the... Uh, Boat should never have gone into the Italians. Never, never, never have gone into the Italians. I mean, I think I've only ever seen it happen so acutely. There was a Henley final a few years ago. I think it was a, um, was it a Weifold? And uh, <clears throat> I think it was California University, something like that, against uh, Upper Thames. I know Upper Thames won. Uh, was it California? I can't remember because I think it was an American Q. But they were, um, I think they were head-to-head coming into the, uh, the steward's enclosure, you know, which is like the last 500 metres of the, the Henley course. And um, I think they blew up um, or they caught a crab. I can't remember exactly, but there was definitely one. All it takes is one stroke on the Henley course because it's quite narrow. Um, <clears throat> and they went into the, into the booms. And uh, that was the end of winning that uh, race. Um, the Upper Thames crew just just paddled on straight through, you know. Um, <clears throat> but anyway, look, I guess the chattery of the chattering of this particular subject around the GB rowing squad and the Olympics results was is uh, something's changed, and I don't think the change is all down to the fact that Jurgen Grobler, uh, the coach. And obviously, the, the, you know, say the media love to grab a subject. And he's like, you know, the, uh, you know was heavily involved in the, um, the East German rowing team before he came to the, the UK in the early 90s, I think. Um, you know, the fact is, as far as I understand it, Jürgen Grobler was a great coach for the athletes of the time when he coached them. And since he's left, the system has broken down so much that the performance has gone back massively. And I think that was happening before. Um, it must have been happening before Grobler was leaving. There must, there must have been, because performance doesn't break just overnight, there must have been some type of political conflict of some description within the coaching management uh, systems around British rowing that were having a contradictory impact on the athletes. Contradictory on the basis that some of the athletes would be all right with the way that's all happening, and some of them wouldn't. And that that is, um, let's say, what's contradictory about that is do not create a fight in the glass. Really good saying I heard the other day is that you know. The fight is outside, or the focus should be outside the glass. If you're all in the glass, 
It's a tight and small, intensive environment. You know, you don't fight with each other. You don't fight with each other. And if the British rowing systems had broken down in some kind of way, which I have no knowledge of, <clears throat> politically, financially or otherwise, is um, there would be fighting inside the glass. And for athletes and high-performance athletes, athletes training for the Olympics, that's going to be really toxic, really toxic. And there's a little bit of fallout that's come from it that's kind of indicated that it's one side or the other, and then you've got ex-athletes criticising the, you know, the outspoken ones. And that's merely politics, so we'll let that all pass by. You know, everyone can have an opinion about everyone's opinion, but don't criticise the character. Criticise the behaviour. And I think that's one of the things I've been reading around this whole British rowing thing. I've been looking for, you know, who's who's actually pointing towards the behavioural changes of British rowing, the management, coaching systems, the athletes. You know, it's not a question of picking holes in Jürgen Grobler or particular athletes. It's not, you know, your character's shit. You can't really change character. You know, that, that character's been there forever, but you can change the behaviour. So, um, yeah, so, so, so something's basically cracked, cracked in the, uh, the GB, the GB rowing squad. And unfortunately, the consequences are, which are going to be quite seismic, 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 I believe, and quite worrying to some extent, is British rowing actually made quite a big financial error um, after the London Olympics. They got a bit carried away. And they created this idea called the Power Rates, which was a kind of a, a sort of a Red Bull spectacular event or invitational eights over a 500 metre course, um, you know, in various city locations, whether it's on the river in uh, you know, Manchester, Nottingham, uh, wherever. But the thing is, is that um, unfortunately it wasn't managed or wasn't successful. And cost British rowing an absolute rod of money, which left it nearly broke. So <clears throat> it's then had a load more money put into it for this Olympics. And if it gets a load of money pulled out of there, it's going to be a bit gnarly, I reckon. Now, that means that, you know, these, uh, what will happen is possibly athletes have to go back um, to, to self-funding, which actually a lot of sports you have to do anyway. Um, you might find that some of the support that's being offered out to clubs and some of the start programs and some of the innovative ideas that simply don't make money but just all pop but all, um, present British rowing. A lot of them, I think, will be on for the X. And uh, I suspect basically, um, let's say rowing in the UK might go back to um, systems and it's all politics and amateurism and you know all of that it might go all the way back to um kind of you know 25 30 years ago um but it might not <laughs> if uh, ideas like get fits row which is actually a get fits row is really about re reinventing how you get into rowing is that you get involved involved in rowing through the mass participation of indoor rowing and then that system of 
indoor rowing actually <clears throat> generates enough income because it can generate a lot of income. A lot of ergos sitting around all day with people on can generate quite a lot of income. Um, that can then go into building a boat club and supporting coaches and da 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 da. And that's that's always been the idea behind Get Fits Row. And I actually think with the fracture that I predict happening in British rowing into the next um, Olympiad, which actually is only going to be three years away, I think might be a bit of a bum squeeze. Um, <clears throat> don't know, though. Don't know. I mean, what do I know? I mean, I'm just a mere observer of the world. But you know what? I've got a hunch. And I've had a hunch for years that Roy needs to change the way it does things. But look, um, let's just say British rowing, obviously anyone that took part in the Olympiad, I think they, you know, they put their heart and soul into it. Um, and that is just mega epicness of epicness. You can only imagine what goes into it. But the, um, <clears throat> I think the one thing to look at is, uh, and it's very, very evident these days, is that um, I was recently listening to a podcast called The High Performance Podcast, and I think someone said on that podcast, one of the people they interviewed, and there's some spectacular interviews on there, um, you can get, you know, and there's the wrong words, actually, I think, elite athletes who get to the highest level are as fit as each other. They are technically as good as each other. And what makes the difference between winning and losing? It's the, the way you manage and support and coach and train the mind. The mind of one and the mind of a group, um, depending on <clears throat> the nature of the team. So let's just say British rowing lost the Olympics because their brains, the minds of success were not in the boat. They were not in the boat. And it's a shame. Um, anyway, um, I think for now, uh, if you've enjoyed that 26 minutes of me rambling, um, about the Olympics and my general kind of witterings, then, um, and you're glad that I'm back <laughs> because, uh, it's good to hear someone that's as bad as me talking as cognitively as I possibly can about something I absolutely adore which is the subject of rowing. Um, I, I worked out the other day why I really enjoy rowing, and it's because it's incredibly, and I'm going to say this word with a tint of, um, I know if you're listening to me, you're going to say it's not Phil, but I love the fact that rowing is incredibly simple. It's one person with several very, very mechanical movements, because at the end of the day, you're attached to a, a rowing oar and a rigger and a boat, so therefore... You know, the biomechanics are relatively limited to the physiology of the athletes, really. So you can have almost, I'm sure if you calculate, um, I'm sure there's someone out there that knows all of this, but if you calculate length of arm span and leg and height and all that sort of jazz, you can work out really how, how well or how good an athlete should actually be or their potential should be. <clears throat> but anyway, but the point is, I think, um, I think Ryan's brilliantly simple and everyone uh, could or should give it a go. Um, <clears throat> but anyway, on that bombshell of actually concluding my journey about the performance of the GB squad, and I could probably, if you were to ask me some questions around some of the points I raised, um, I suspect there will be a few things that I could probably delve deeper into. Um, 
that would be of interest to talk about. So anyway, look, if you think there's something worth talking about, you can always drop a message. I think the um, I think the way you can either email me at which is rowing at allgardening.co.uk. That's rowing at allgardening.co.uk. Um, or you can give me a call if you want. I think my phone number's on on the description. Um, anyway, look, it's been a pleasure to be back, and I look forward to sharing more of my witterings as I go along. Anyway, don't forget, this is that podcast. Um, never straight far. I think it's brilliant. Anyway, it's Phil. Take care. Thank you for listening. Ta-da. Adios.